week's action show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan and DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to Linux Action Show, episode 462. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, good morning. And guess what? We have a big show. It's a rare show today. After we go through the news of the week, it's a rare show about the show. We don't. I think we've only done this once before in like the 10-year history of the show. We're going to tell you about what's next for the Linux Action Show and what's coming up in just the next couple of weeks. Then we're going to get into some of the community feedback about a conversation we started last week. Um, and we're going to kind of average some of it out and sort of instead of sitting here reading everybody's emails, we're going to just give you some summaries. And, uh, of course, we'll end it with picks and all of that. But, Mr. Noah, it's good to be with you one more time before I hit the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think the next time – I don't know if I'll be on next week's show because I'll be traveling down to Texas to meet up with Dell mm-hmm. to find out what they're doing with Linux. So right. you'll probably have a guest next week on the show. And then after that, we'll be live in Texas. So you will. This is the last time we get to like do this like traditional style uh, before I hit the road. So uh, yeah, right. I thought what we would do, because we're still kind of – we're still tweaking the format a bit, is let's just start right off with the news this week. What? Well, just the purpose of tweaking the format was to, uh, you know, regenerate listenership. As it turns out, that's probably not as important as it was back when we made the But decision. now we're just doing it any way we damn well please. So GNOME <laughs> has announced GNOME 3.24. With a feature that some people are kind of skeptical of, but I actually think is a badass idea. It's called Nightlight, and it's a new feature that changes the color of your display according to the time of day. So sort of like Redshift or Flux. I love it. I Built love right it. into GNOME. It. Yeah, and you see they got a little UI there for controlling it. And uh, also in the drop-down menu, you can just disable it really quick, built into like the GNOME system menu there. And here's another nice thing. Works with X11 and Wayland. Which nice. Some, yeah, well, so, I guess that, yeah, you'd, you'd almost kind of have to at this point, right? Not all the solutions do, though. Not all the solutions do. You might like this for if you have any uh, end users you, you support, or oh. if you yourself have any printers hooked up to a GNOME machine. Mm-hmm. Look at that! Look at that new dialog. Totally reworked uh, printer. Actually, a lot of applications in the settings got reworked, including online accounts, the users, and the printer. The interface has been refined and improved, and the printer settings now give a better overview at a glance, showing the location and ink level of each of your printers without having to do any digging. I the printer UI needed a revamp because I I've had this problem since I've switched to Arch with GNOME. Anytime I go to install a printer, it automatically network discovers the printer, but for whatever reason, half the time after, yeah, I can print to it the first time, but then after that I can't print to it again. And then I have to delete that printer and then go back and add a printer manually, specify, you know, the IP address. Yeah, if you port, do the IP it'll it be works. fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so, that but magic nice DNS. Some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. So what do you think about this? This is a community project. It's not like core GNOME resources were taken away from building better GNOME. It's a community project called Recipes. It's an application they're including in sort of the base GNOME 3.24 platform. Uh, so it doesn't mean distros will necessarily package it like Fedora. But it's an application that contains a collection of recipes contributed by GNOME community members. In fact, you can actually, I think it's like a wiki, you can get your recipes on there too. Now, I, I, I was like, okay, now they got a map app, a weather app, and a recipes app. What is this, KDE? That's <laughs> kind of like it was a plasma desktop all over. But then, I, then when I thought about it, I was like, actually, Noah has a freaking recipes kitchen PC, like dedicated to this task. And I thought, eh, this probably worked pretty good with a touchscreen too. Is this anything you're interested in, a recipe? No, 
No, and here's why. I'll be interested in it when it's available on Ubuntu and when it's available on KDE, when it's av- when it's available everywhere. That's what makes a It could happen if it's built into GNOME, that, right? It could. Right, but you need something that everyone can contribute that everyone's on the same thing and right now Google like a web page, you need like a web page. You need like a web page. That sounds like a kind website. Of, except just less cloud, just a little less I need a little less uh-huh. cloud. So what you then, need is a website. Yeah, okay. Well, a website that was maybe hosted locally, sure. Uh, so this is really our coverage in lieu of a full review of the GNOME desktop. Maybe in the past we would have done a full, like, comprehensive review of GNOME. Uh, I don't think we're going to do that on this particular release because I'm not running GNOME these days. But uh, the notification area has also received improvements for 3.24. It has a simpler, clearer layout, which makes it easier to read notifications, and a bunch of little bugs have been fixed, which is, which is quite nice. I want to talk about the thing that I think is most interesting, and I want to be really clear about how I talk about this new feature because it's really easy to confuse. Firefox sync support is coming to GNOME Web. Now, that does not mean you're going to sync your Firefox bookmarks to GNOME Web or your tabs. It means you can now sync GNOME Web instances across each other. They're using the Firefox sync technology. Now, it's not going to be part of a GNOME 3.24, but it's coming soon. And it was meant to be part of GNOME 3.24, but it just wasn't quite fully baked. So it'll support Epiphany Web, um, and you'll be able to synchronize open tabs, hopefully eventually. But right now, they started off with uh, bookmark support using Firefox sync code. You can even use your Mozilla account and sync your Epiphany bookmarks between different Epiphany browsers, so across different GNOME web browsers, using your Firefox account. I actually think... What? That feels like we're pushing a lot of cloud right into the desktop, man. Well, listen, if you're going to get in on cloud, boy, you just, you know, if you're going to get in on this, wouldn't Mozilla be one? That seems like a pretty good technology to uh, to use. Um, yeah. And I actually, I mean, one of the reasons I use Chrome is it's really, its sync system is better for me in the long run. It's been, it has working, worked better for me than, uh, than Firefox's has. Mm-hmm. And uh, like right now, I, I will sometimes, while you're talking, mm-hmm. and I'll put it up on your face, I in the background over here. See, I'm over here. If you're watching the video version, I have like a little webcam up. While Noah's talking, I might be over here on this other computer pulling up uh, a related like supporting article or something. And while I do it over here, so that way I'm not screwing up the screenshot that might be up on the screen. I then, while I have it on your face, I can go to Chrome, go to a little menu, and pull up the web browsers from the other computer instantaneously and now display them on my machine here. So it's extremely – their sync system is really fast. That's also how I – that's how I all, – all the Google Docs I'm currently working on to avoid going to the Google Docs interface, I throw them in a folder in my toolmark bar and I clean it out every single week and I just I, – I drag the, the doc from the URL bar into that folder and I can go – and I can – actually, I can show you. So right here on my screen, I have the docs that I'm currently working on here at the bottom. So I have Linux Action Show and last week's Unfiltered because I haven't done a cleaning yet. And any links that I might want to share with the audience while I'm live on air. And I can just mm-hmm. click that and it immediately brings up the Google Doc. To have that sync across my machine super fast is very useful. So this is one reason why I don't use GNOME Web. I, I have a place for a browser like GNOME Web in my browser setup. It's always, I like, it's crazy, I like having three browsers. It's the perfect amount for me. Three browsers is perfect because I have Chrome where I do all my primary driving and living. Firefox that I might have like logged into my business accounts or something like that, you know, from my business papers. And then mm-hmm. on, I'll have GNOME Web that might be logged into, say, my kid's account to do something. Or I sure. log it into one of the show accounts. And so for mm-hmm. me, I, I very much have to go through a process of importing bookmarks to GNOME Web, setting it yeah. all up, changing all my defaults. I, yeah. the, the moment they push this down to a production desktop, I will be setting up the sync functionality. Not because nice. I use GNOME Web as my main browser, but because I use it as my tertiary browser, and it's pretty important to me. 
I use GNOME Web for one thing and one thing only, and it does this thing very well. Um, the captive portal detection. Oh, really? <laughs> in, in, that's fantastic, man. If you're in an airport, <laughs> you open up your laptop, you connect to a Wi-Fi network, GNOME Web, boom, pops up. Hey, this way you're not going to be able to get on the internet until you authenticate. Here's yeah. the stupid yeah, captive yeah. portal that yeah. nobody likes. Yeah, they've no worked on that. In, but we all have to do it because somebody somewhere that doesn't understand what it is decided they wanted it. Yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. Uh, we have a link to the OMG Ubuntu article that talks about it, and also uh, the blog, the GNOME blog that talks about it. Uh, yeah, this is going to be early. I wouldn't be surprised if initially they don't get uh, tab syncing working just right. But uh, I like the UI. Also, they're coming up to manage it. It's just it's sort of following that GNOME design tradition and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I I think it is a much needed feature. I may have been pushed over the edge with excitement if there was an option to actually sync my Firefox bookmarks to. I kind of would like to have them separate the way I use my browsers, but I could absolutely see people that want to move from Firefox to a different browser. Maybe they'd like to have it. So that's sort of an interesting look um, at with the future of GNOME Web, but nothing we'll have our hands on anytime soon. Bunch of other nice things in the new release of GNOME 3.24. Last but not least, uh, I'll mention they have updated the what is a very basic but usable photos application and probably the most newbie-friendly IRC client I've probably ever used, which is Polari, Gnome's mm-hmm. new IRC client. Nothing super special there. And one little shout-out for you, Noah, here. I don't know if you've tried this yet because it's not. It doesn't, I don't think it ships in Fedora. I'm not positive. But uh, Gnome Games has gotten some nice, nice love. Nice. No, I haven't tried it. And this is a way that features a bunch of different uh, – back-end emulators. Like it can do the Neo Geo, it can do uh, NES, SNES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, PlayStation games, depending on the software you have installed. And it gives you a nice, like, you know, family-friendly interface to pull that up. Updates to icons, goodies like that. Support for machines that have two graphics cards has been improved in the display management settings. So if you have two GPUs in your rig, GNOME settings is going to actually work for you. And last, uh, but not least... Gnome's Flatpak support has uh, gotten improved. In particular, updating Flatpak applications is much smoother. Support for new Flatpak capabilities, such as automatic runtime downloading, is also included. And runtimes is a new fancy feature of Flatpaks that you can read more about if you give an S online. So, yeah, that is a look at Gnome 3.24 in lieu of our typical review because with us traveling to Texas and whatnot, I, I just don't see us reloading our production rigs right now. And that's also, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of it. But if you are curious, if you do want to, if you want to, if you want to see a review down the road, let us know. It's always something we're we're open to. All right, I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Go over to DigitalOcean, sign up, and apply our promo code to your account to get a ten dollar credit. Our promo code. Here's the thing, all one word, put it together over DigitalOcean, a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to making it easy to spin up really nice Linux rigs in probably less than 55 seconds or so. They use KVM for their virtualizer. You know, I got a comment. Chris just reads a script. I am not reading a script. Nowhere in their marketing do they say, tell them it runs on KVM because people like to know that. They don't. I know you know. I, you like to know that. You like to know that they're using Linux and they're using KVM. Right. And you like to know that they have 40 gigabit E connections. You like to know that the entire stack is SSDs. That's not on a script. I'm telling you, this is why I became a DigitalOcean customer. Now, what is on the script is their interface. It's great. It's simple. It's intuitive. And I got to agree. I mean, that's why I talk about it. It is so damn good. As someone who had to start out in the bad old days, like 13, 14 I mean, like the early days that VMware was ripping off BusyBox. Way back in the day, I was using VMware on Windows, and I hated it. 
I hated it. I resented the fact that they leveraged Linux and they, le- they leveraged Linux file systems and the Linux kernel and the Linux loaders. They leveraged all of this Linux stuff to make VMware work. And then they screwed you by making you manage it all under Windows with some ripped off MMC interface that was just a catastrophe. I resented it so much. And now, 13 years later, I'm still here to tell you it hasn't gotten much better until DigitalOcean came along. They managed to build an interface that a total noob could manage. Or somebody who's done this for many years can grok and really take advantage of. Data centers all over the world, super easy to choose. Super nice, straightforward API to integrate in with whatever language you're using, or if you just want to use it with some scripts. They have rigs starting with 512 megs of RAM, and they go all the way up to rigs with like 220-something gigs of RAM. I mean, it's really crazy. But probably one of the biggest features since I've signed up for DigitalOcean that's changed the way I build droplets now is their highly available block storage. Easily scale block storage volumes from one gigabyte up to 16 terabytes. You can resize them. You can move them between droplets. Think about that for a second. And all your data is encrypted at rest. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code. Here's the thing. Get a $10 credit after you sign up and spin up that $5 rig. Try it out two months for free. DigitalOcean.com. Big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Action Show. So one of the things that will also land while we're on the road is Ubuntu 17.04. And uh, a couple of things. <laughs> okay. okay. What? Uh, what? No, no, no. Uh, you're doing it. Yeah. Keep going. Good. A couple of things. A couple of things I think people should know about. This is going to be the first Ubuntu to ship with Linux kernel 4.10. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a problem in Ubuntu 17.04. Huge disclaimer. But I am seeing a lot of people saying that if they use the Novu NVIDIA driver, there is some incompatibilities with the current Linux 4.10 kernel. I'm not sure about the details because it does not apply to me. have not personally experienced this. But if you want to try this beta, be aware of that. Now, what were you going to say? No, I, I just I – was, I, was, I, was, I was anticipating you launching into like a – this is why – this is not exciting to me. And I was like, I'm excited because Wi-Fi might work this time. Oh, geez. Here you go with the Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you might think that too. And I would be curious <laughs> to see if that does. The other thing though that I'm not sure if this changes the equation is Xorg server is going to be a one rev behind instead of getting uh, – uh, one nineteen, going to be uh-huh. one eighteen. That might fix that Nova problem. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. Also, uh, it's going to ship with most of the GNOME three point two four stack, which has not happened in a long time. Ubuntu has been behind the GNOME stack for a while. It's one of my common criticisms, actually. And now this is one of the first releases in quite a while that's shipping with a current version, the three point two four release we just covered in Ubuntu seventeen oh four. Couple of caveats with that. Um, going to have their old file manager from GNOME three point twenty as well as the old terminal from 3.20 and uh, Evolution File Roller and GNOME Software from 3.22. There's a couple. There's a bit of a mixed bag in there because File Roller is from 3.22 as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the final beta, and gconf is no longer installed as default either for the, for the U, uh, GNOME folks. So it's a, it's a coming, but what I have been getting a particular whiff from is how excited the folks over at Ubuntu Mate 17.04 behind the scenes are. Yes. They're particularly excited about this release, and I think that's going to translate into something special. Uh, in fact, Martin wrote on the UbuntuMate.org blog, he says, we're absolutely chuffed to bits to announce what is quite possibly the best Ubuntu Mate beta we've ever released. We didn't participate in beta 1, so we have quite a changelog from Alpha 2 that was released in January. We still have some fixes to land for the themes, but overall, this release is shaping up really great. And a little birdie tells me those fixes landing for the themes are going to be really, really impressive. And for those that, uh, for those of you who don't know, yeah, uh, as you refer to him, Martin is wimpy. that's wimpy. Yeah, wimpy. That's but you know, this is really- 
The uh, the thing that's really kind of neat about this release too is we're seeing the landing of the of the new Brisk menu, which was uh, created by Ike from Solus, and we're seeing the landing of improved artwork that was contributed by Daniel Foray from Elementary OS. So a couple of well known projects for yeah. creating great software have contributed software to this release of Ubuntu Mate, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's looking really good. Plus, you're going to get uh, Mate Desktop one point eighteen which is going to have also full support for the new lib input, which I think will make you happy. I think that's going to, I think you'll like that. Um, new, new sweet notifications are added. Like I said, that brisk menu. And uh, I'm just going to say, I, I don't know how much I should say, but they're talking about an upgrade to the Ubuntu Mate artwork in 1704. It's coming out. I, I would go as far as to say is I, I suspect Ubuntu Mate 1704 is going to be one of the best out-of-the-box-looking Linux distros out there competing with elementary OS and Solus right out of the box. You just select mm-hmm. an option, boom, it's going to be like that. There's going to be just one-click apply, and it's just going to look gorgeous. And I think that might be what people really end up talking about. Mm-hmm. And I would, wouldn't be surprised if some of the review headlines from like ZDNet and others sort of lead with that. But there's so mm-hmm. much other good stuff in here, including a lot of great support for GTK3 now. And I just want to end on this. The, uh, the Ubuntu Mate project with this release is doing something that, that used to happen in the golden days of reviewing distros on this show. And it was one of those where I'm perfectly content with the LTS. You know, 16.04, fine. 1610, whatever, didn't really need it, right? 1604 has been great for a lot of people. A lot of distros are based on that LTS. It's one of those where, like, I, there's no compelling reason to switch. And mm. most Wish of the yeah, well, most of the intermediate releases with Ubuntu for a long time, the non-LTS releases have kind of been like that. There's some nice improvements, right. but nothing really compels you to move off the LTS. Mm. But back in the day, back in the golden era of distro reviews on this show, every single release was better and it it was so good that it compelled you to get off the LTS and go on the one with the shorter support cycle simply because it had the better stuff and that tradition I believe is returning with this release of 1704 for Ubuntu Mate. This particular spin I'm very excited about it is going to be one of these where I have a machine in here that runs it I'm going to be upgrading it. The stuff that this comes with, the improvements and even just the new artwork which I've seen some early concepts of all of it is going to be upgrade worthy. This is going to be one of the biggest, like one of the biggest times I think one of the first times I have one of the biggest reasons to upgrade off of an LTS in Ubuntu's history for maybe two years now. It feels like so I I, I may hold the right to come back and review this one a week or two after release, just depending on what our schedule's like, because I think it's yeah, going to be yeah. a really good release, and I think this is the final beta. So if I you am want, want I am actually. I'm actually considering this release as a primary driver on my machine just because they have they have solved a lot of the issues that I had as using it daily. It was it always made a great distro for like what I call my utility distro. I think we're reaching the point now where you know I it would be it would be better than anything I can get on my main machine. One of the things that I liked about Ubuntu Mate, uh, and I thought other distros should just wholesale rip this off, was the software boutique that Wimpy has when you log right. in by default, where you can go in and say gaming, tools, accessories, mm-hmm. all of that. And it'll set up Steam or set up Chrome or whatever it is Telegram. you want to Telegram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really nice. You don't have to hunt for PPAs because they've taken the time to make sure it's all the right stuff. And they mm-hmm. do all of the work behind the scenes. Well, this is a big a big new feature that I, I actually was calling for in our last review that's now been added. 
is bulk queue by default. So it will queue up all of the installations, queue, 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 and then you hit go, and it just flies through installing all of them. So because it's so many applications, and it's like it's a it's a list of all of the things I eventually set up on a new Linux desktop that I use a lot, anyways. And so you can mm-hmm. just go click, 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 install, and you get Telegram, and you get Chrome with Netflix support, and you get F, just boom, 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 Steam, right. all of it. Uh, that's going to be big. And then one thing that's sort of sad, but I think it's just the way things are going because Ubuntu Upstream has done this, is they'll be dropping 32-bit PowerPC support completely. No more power. But you know what? Honestly, go get yourself a Raspberry Pi 3, and you're just about right, as good yeah, off. So. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, that's I'm another sorry. thing, too. After using the Raspberry Pi 3, it really drove something home for me. And we talked about this. We touched on it briefly in the review, but it has it has really come to fruition in the past couple of months, and, and that's that – if you can if you can find peace with something like Ubuntu Mate, then you can run it on all of these devices. And I have a, a an Ubuntu Mate that I, I that I literally I took the Raspberry Pi three after we did the review. I double sided taped it back to the back of a monitor, and I've been using it to uh, to run some of our software at work. I forgot that that was running off of a Raspberry Pi. And That's a couple awesome. of weeks ago, I went back. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to install something, and it, they didn't have a, a um, an ARM part port for it. Couldn't figure out why it wasn't. I was trying to figure it out, and then oh yeah, that's right. This isn't even a real computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a real I computer. computer that's obviously, how responsive it is. Yeah, yeah. It's that's fantastic. that's really the thing about the I, I uh, as somebody who really enjoyed some of those old PowerPC machines because you know I was like yeah. they, some of them came into my life when I was like still learning and exploring computers in a really mm-hmm. sort of curious way and taking them apart and wow, this is so different than the Intel systems. It was just fascinating. Right. And and mm-hmm. um, I remember running Yellow Dog Linux, yeah. which I think is yeah. where Yum came from. Like Yellow Dog yeah. Linux was a version of Red Hat. Fedora wasn't even a thing back then, of mm-hmm. the Red Hat desktop that was ported to PowerPC and had mm-hmm. like repos and stuff. I, I remember trying to run Mandrake on my PowerPC hardware and Debian. Absolutely, I remember running Debian on my PowerPC hardware. So mm-hmm. – Part of me is a little sad. I don't have any more in my life. And if I wanted a machine that even had better performance, I honestly, I'm not joking, would get a Raspberry Pi 3. And I don't think it's a huge replacement. And by the way, uh, Ubuntu Mate works great on the Raspberry Pi 3. So yeah, uh, I just want to, so while we're talking about Macs in some sense, I thought maybe I'd give a shout out to folks that are interested in the state of Linux on the MacBook Pro 2016. I've been wondering, how are these new MacBooks with Linux? And no one I know it wants to go below $3,000 to try it. Uh, but it's happening now. People are organizing over on GitHub. It looks like the MacBook Pro 2016 shares a lot of components with the regular Retina MacBook, um, but it has uh, a few major differences. Here's what is and is not working just really quickly for those of you that have been curious at all. Uh, audio input-output not working. Bluetooth not working. Uh, FaceTime HD camera, graphics card Intel, graphics card AMD are working. Keyboard touchpad working. Keyboard backlight not working. Internal SSD is working with out-of-tree patch. Suspend hibernation, not working. Thunderbolt, untested. Touch ID, not working. Wi-Fi, not working. But USB is working. Uh, basic functionality of the touch bar works because I think it just falls back to like some half-broken function key thing. So I'll link to the GitHub if you guys care at all about that. And while we're talking about uh, collections of stuff like that, I thought this was sort of interesting. Stack, or Stack Overflow posted a survey. And check this out. While Windows Desktop was the most commonly used platform by developers, Linux came in at a, at a handsome number two nice. in the survey of developers. Yeah, Nice. That is very encouraging. Check this out. Very Win- encouraging. Windows Desktop, 41%. Linux Desktop, 32.9%. Excellent. Yeah, man. Android actually beats out the Mac. I don't know how. I guess this is probably maybe what you're targeting. Uh, 28.2%. 
So there you go. And then there was another stat that I thought was interesting, maybe even maybe even more telling. Oh, real quick, I'll, I might talk more about this on Coder Radio, but uh, most loved language again, second year in a row, Rust, Rust. The language taking the biggest hit this year, Swift. It was last year's the second most popular language. This year it's ranked as fourth. But I thought this was I thought this was the more telling uh, metric. The most loved versus dreaded platforms. The number one loved platform by the developers surveyed by Stack Overflow is Linux. Linux, everybody. Linux. Linux with a pretty good lead, too. Let's hear it for Linux. Linux, everybody. Oh, my gosh. It's Anderson Cooper, everybody. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Uh, serverless is for uh, another uh, platform people love. Amazon Web Services. Raspberry Pi comes in at number four. Mac OS number five. Dreaded platforms. So really, so really, really what you're saying is Linux is one, two, three, and four because yeah. Linux powers all those things. I, after that's it. exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. And and Dreaded is uh, people hate targeting the SharePoint platform, Salesforce, WordPress, Windows Form, mainframes, the Windows desktop, Arduino, Android. Uh, and, and the most... On the most dreaded list, Linux on the bottom. Linux is on the bottom of the most dreaded list. You know, top of the love, bottom of the dreaded. You know what the um, you know what this this metric uh, signals to me is that there may become a point in time where we as Linux advocates, we as Linux users, need to pivot from let's advocate for the platform, let's get more people on it, let's you know convert people to Linux as we call it, and we might need to shift from doing that to preserving Linux because one thing that I see time and time again, and it it frustrates me and it scares me, is. Once something gets adopted by the masses, they usually take the things that we love the best about them, strip them out, and put their own crap in it, and then that becomes what is mainstream, right? Thank and goodness so, we got the GPL, brother. Right, right. But I'm saying it, it's going to – a lot of times we shrug – or at least I do anyway. I, I get to a point where I'm like, listen, if it runs on Linux, I'm happy. If it happens to be GPL, better. There's going to be a point, I think, where that's going to have to shift, and we're going to have to – that's going to have to st- start taking a higher priority to make sure that we we you know strictly adhere to things like the GPL. I think Conseco in the uh, chat room also makes a great point. Uh, now it's obvious in retrospect why Microsoft included Bash in Windows. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, it really, because they want they don't want to lose those developers to another platform. You know, the thing is, it's five years too late. Uh, yeah, you know, realistically, I wanted to cover another story that's not exactly Linux or open source related, but it is privacy conscious related, which is pretty close to our sphere of open source friends. Um, the Senate has voted to let ISP sell your web browsing history to advertisers. That's the takeaway headline. This is most applicable, obviously, to our friends here in the U.S. But uh, the Senate today is, which was a couple of days ago is using the power of the Congressional Review Act to ensure that the FCC rulemaking shall have no force or effect act. So the bigger picture here is this is really about what the FCC's power is over the Internet. That's what really this is about. The Senate measure was introduced two weeks ago by Jeff Flake of Arizona and 23 Republican co-sponsors. Flake said at the time he's trying to protect consumers from overreaching Internet regulation. Uh, now, the FCC chairman argues that consumers would be confused if there are any different privacy rules from an ISP from online companies like Google and Facebook. Uh, now everybody's worried about consumers being confused. Yeah, you know this is like this is like the the right to repair bill too. If they give us the manuals, then we might hurt ourselves by repairing yeah. our electronics. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, essentially, if you think about it, this is hugely valuable, and this is this is playing into what a, a much bigger picture. So there is in the advertising business right now, there is this huge, and they're trying to keep it quiet because it's disgusting, and they don't want consumers to know. 
But there mm-hmm. is this huge, huge pressure by advertisers, not ours, <clears throat> and not, and and we're just not big enough to matter. But if we were big enough, it, they would probably be coming after us. Um, and they're trying to what they're trying to do is they're trying to get way more data. They want way, they want all the data. They want all the data because it's they, they got to make sure they're getting their money's worth for their ads. There's no you know they they can't just use the metric if they sell if they sell some products. Oh no no right. no they got it they got to. They got to make sure they're getting the data. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, just a quick aside. Right now, there is a huge controversy brewing around YouTube. Bunch of advertisers, really big advertisers, have pulled out. Verizon, AT and T, Johnson and Johnson, J.P. Morgan, General Motors, Starbucks, Dish, Walmart, PepsiCo, FS, FX Networks, all have pulled out of YouTube advertising because they claim. That their company's brands were shown next to extremist videos like the Linux Action Show Unfilter and Al-Qaeda videos. Really? And because they don't have any data or control over it, they're pulling their ads and they're using this as leverage to, da- for, to Google to give them more information. They want to know when Noah Chalaya watches an ad on CNN, on Amazon.com, and on YouTube. And they want to know when you clicked it and for how long. They also want Stitcher to tell them how long you listen to a podcast, where you fast forward, what speed you listen to, when you hit rewind. Then they also want to know that on Google Play, they want to know they there was a huge collection of uh, top advertisers that went to Apple to try to pressure Apple to give them more data on iTunes. We want to know when people are skipping our ads and podcasts on iTunes. And Apple said, mm-hmm. sorry, we just have an RSS directory. Once people subscribe, it's their own podcast player. So see you later. And then they wrote this huge hit piece in the Wall Street Journal about how Apple is uh, holding back the podcasting industry because they're not giving advertisers more data. Give us the data. We need the data. So now all these companies are pulling out of YouTube advertising. Big-name companies, you know, the ones that write the big checks, not the mom-and-pops, not the mom-and-pops that are going to Google ad sales and buying a couple of mm-hmm. ads like you and I might do one day. Good. But no. let, them, let them pull out. Good. Well, because in 10 years, they're going to be irrelevant, and nobody will buy their product because nobody will know about them because this is the future. Here's what Google's doing instead is they're cracking down on content. So they've demonetized 30, 40 episodes of Unfilter. They're cracking down on the content creators. Philip DeFranco, his entire channel has been restricted to uh, anybody that has the restricted settings on to try to appease advertisers. So YouTube is just freaking out on the other end. But the really big thing that's happening behind the scenes is this ISP bill because Mm -hmm. ISPs want to get in the data game. And then they can sell to AT&T and Verizon when you go to all of the things. So picture it. Your home broadband provider can now – would now know when you wake up each day, when your devices start coming online, either when you log on to the internet or maybe when uh, you turn on an Internet of Things device in your home. That provider may know immediately if you're not feeling well, assuming you decide to look something up about your symptoms. Your broadband provider may know about your health. And your, broad- your broadband provider will know this is something that – the reason why we know this is because this is what they're telling advertisers. They're bragging. They're saying, look. Hmm. And they, they, this is what we can find Look, out. guys. Look. This is why you're going to want to come to us. We can right. track up to this is their this is their this is their line. We can track up to four members of a family across four devices, and we can tell you where they're going. We can tell you which one's the kids' tablet because they'll be going to the school website, so you can advertise kid stuff at them. And we can tell you which one's dad late at night doing something, or mom looking at something, or the little kids looking up something, or who's sick, or where they're going uh, on Google Maps, or what products they're looking at Amazon, or what YouTube videos they're looking at. Even if they just get the URL, we can tell you that, and then you can look at it across all of the platforms. 
And then it gets even bigger because they work in conjunction with data brokers who are companies that are huge and they make a ton of profits and they go get your credit card transactions and your rewards card transactions and all of your information that they can buy from different brokers and they combine it all together. And they're going to be able to – the ISPs are going to make a ton of money off of this. And I – this is going to be – now, I just want to make sure this is clear. This is not law yet. If this does go through the House and Trump signs it, it would be effective mid-December. But it's huge if this goes through. And I think anybody who concern, is concerned about privacy would like to at least be informed about this so they can maybe contact the representative. So as of this recording, you don't need to worry. Nothing's changed. It's going to be changing. There's no requirement really that – of course, there was no real requirement they'd follow these rules in the past either. Uh, but now they'd have a legal framework to do this. So the Senate Democrats say now this is a big. This is this has become a big political thing, which is kind of which is too bad. But you would literally be able to draw a map of where families shop and go to school, health information, illnesses, all of that. I think it's. I think it could be a pretty major a pretty major thing. Um, Absolutely. And and the Republicans' argument is, well, this is really an FTC jurisdiction thing. It's not yeah. an FCC jurisdiction thing. And I'm not for yeah, more internet regulation. I don't want the FCC getting involved if I can say the S word. Right. And, so, and I mean, here, here's the thing is that the, the, so there's a whole other political rant about actually advocating for smaller government. But from a privacy and, and uh, privacy standpoint and technology standpoint, this is a terrible idea. The, the good news is <laughs> if the Republicans have the same amount of success that they had in passing health care reform, then <laughs> – Hey, oh, so I would say this, you know, uh, SSL will help some of this. VPNs and Tor will help combat some of this. But of course, average consumers will just be completely snowballed. And Mm. the other thing that's sort of disgusting about this entire thing is there are huge lobbying groups for these Internet service providers, which are uh, there was a line somebody put I put in the show notes. Somebody tweeted this out. Uh, Senator Ed Markey said that ISP should now stand for information sold for profit and invading subscriber privacy. So these information sold for profit providers have lobbying groups that are in D.C. arguing – this is their line. The privacy rules will prevent them from showing internet users more relevant advertising, more relevant ads, guys. Otherwise, they just got to like ram them down your throat. So this is for your good because they'll have data-driven services. Yeah. They've argued that web browsing app and app usage history should be classified – should be declassified, should not be considered sensitive information. See, but it's not just how are they going to collect this? Are they just going to mm-hmm. do? Are they just going to do a DNS log? No, dude, they're going to do packet inspection. Right. So they're going to know everything. Even even they'll probably because there's so much money at stake here. In fact, they've argued in their their lobbyists are arguing. This is just our next big market expansion. We're kind of at our limits. There's no more where. There's no more else for us to go. And uh, we have something here that we could sell, and this is a market opportunity for us. And really, we just want to – look, we just want to give everybody better ads. We just want to give you better it, ads. It, it expands beyond advertising and just collecting the data because if you think about it, what ends up happening is all of this data is stored. So let's say you have a prominent politician who has you know, an interesting uh, you know, um, adult entertainment interest, and that is then captured by the ISP, and some unscrupulous guy decides to leak that information – you know, it, that it, it fundamentally might change the Internet as we know it. People have been able to hide behind a keyboard and that has that has offered, you know, the growth and expansion and, yeah. and freedom of expression of a lot of people that wouldn't ordinarily well, be able well, to. So have when we're that. talking about freedom, here's what bothers me. And this is why this is why it gets me is because it's 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 privacy invasion at every aspect. And here we spend a decade trying to promote a free platform 
that's, mm-hmm. that's based in free ideals, free software. You know, you can audit the code. And by the way, as soon as you get on the internet, you're getting watched. And right. I, I think the other thing that makes it even more egregious to me is that these ISPs are not just simply ISPs. They're also TV networks like Comcast, right. NBC. Right. So they also know what cable TV you're watching, and they can combine what you're watching with what you're doing on the internet and what you're looking at on your phone and your tablets. You don't have to have any tracking software on your computer. You don't have any tracking software on your phone, and they're still going to know everything you do, and they're going to mm-hmm. bring it across your telephone lines. They're going to bring it across your, tele- your TV watching, especially if you have a DVR. Then they're going to even know where you fast-forward and paused. They're going to know every time you looked at that nip slip. And then they're going to now have your entire web history. And they're going to sell it to the highest bidder, and they're going to make so much money, so much money. And they're going to do it all before the American public realizes just how valuable their data is. They're going to manage mm-hmm. to get all of this done under behind the scenes. And then five, ten years from now, when the American public starts realizing this, because here's the mm-hmm. reality now. Now these sons of bitches are triple dipping. Because now right. they're making money right. off of right. your subscription. Now nope. they're making money off of your data. Now they're mm-hmm. making money off of ads. So all mm-hmm. of these sons of bitch ISPs that are anti-competitive, that are, have monopolies, mon- monopoly-type behaviors, that have totally stagnated growth. I was listening to our friends across the pond on a podcast talk about how, well, if you don't like your ISP, just get a new one. Well, fuck you. I can't get a new ISP. I, yeah, I can right. only get one ISP because of this type of crap. So now these sons of bitches are triple dipping. And they're making a ton of money. They're invading all of our privacy. And people are going to run to things like VPNs and Tor. But let's be honest, there's nothing that says a Tor exit node isn't going to be monitoring people. There's nothing that says your VPN provider won't use the shield of, this, of, of removing this regulation to also monitor you. So make sure you pick a good one. That's what it's come. And so that yeah, means I mean, what that means by default, when you accept this new reality, is just the technical elite of our society will now have any protections. That's right. what we're going I mean, to. Yeah. I, and, I, and I mean, that's true for a time being. I think what will eventually happen, I think that at some point you will reach a level where uh, a lot of SSL is going to get put into place. And so they'll know that you're sending traffic to a given place, but yeah. they won't be able to interpret what that traffic is or specifically what you looked at. There's stuff so like that. much useful information in just the, in just that, though. Oh, absolutely. But I'm just saying, I think that the future is slightly brighter. And here's my other prediction, too. I think that as stuff like this comes out, and I saw an article before we even covered this on the show, just on Facebook, and it was, you know, it was a very clickbaity thing, and it just said ISPs will sh- soon know your porn history, right? And that it was referring to, this. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's something that the average guy can 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 grok, right? Yeah. And I think as that comes out, I think what you're going to see is you're going to yeah. see. You think it'll die in the house? Cisco and Netgear, they're going to come out with, uh, you know, basically Tor-like functionality oh. inside of the router. Mm. And so you just set it up and it just says, secure my internet or uh, private my internet connection. You click a little box and everything gets magically Jeez, what set What a up. dark day. What a dark day. This is... Well, you know what? I tell you what, I'll take the opposite side. You're saying it's a dark day. I'll say it's a bright day because we have the technology. It already exists. The people in the open source community have predicted problems like this, and we already have solutions. They're just not... Your ISP is an attack vector now. Your ISP is... It's just disgusting. It's, Google is well, now... Basically, everyone's ISP is Google. You worried about Google Fiber? Well, guess what? Google is just ahead of the curve, everybody. You know what? If that turns out, and this to is be all, the by case. the way, to compete with Google. This is what this is really about. Well, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You know what? That if, if that's the case, here's 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 my next prediction. That eventually, what will happen if we can solve this problem through VPNs and stuff like that, the or, and Tor? The very next thing will be is you'll get innovators like the people that. I mean, it's a terrible design at the moment, but the Ham Radio Design Network, where you just have a transmitter, you hook it up, and then you connect to, uh, you know, the central something node like some sort of like packet, some sort of packet relay system. Well, kind of. With like a protocol on top that guarantees communication. 
That would be right, innovative. but it would be owned, but it would be owned by the individual. There would be no central yeah, yeah. provider, is what I'm like an I'm RFC thinking. or something that would that would that would never have any problems. Then then we would never have any if it was a standard, <laughs> and we all just implemented it in our on our machines. That, then we wouldn't have any problems. That would be fine. Right. <laughs> there wasn't a business in the middle of the machines. Yes. All right. So uh, if uh, you don't care about the show, you don't want to know any more about the show. You just want to know about the news. That's pretty much all of like the actual like content because the rest of the show is going to be about the show. You're beautiful, and this episode of the Linux Action Show is brought to you by Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com. Go there, sign up, get $25 off a device or $25 in service credit for your beautiful face. Now, the average monthly Ting bill, $23 for a line. That's minutes, messages, megabytes, all added up. That's probably what you're going to pay on average. $6 a month for the line. $6 a month. Other people, like, they're bragging about 20 bucks a month. They also have really great customer service. You get to speak to a real human being. They have a dashboard to die for. Oh, I like that. Ting, you got to take that. I'm just an idea guy. But a dashboard to die for, that's working with the Ds. You should go do that. Oh, man, I did it again. Oh, anyways, go to last.ting.com, sign up, and while you're there, check out, like, the options. They got phones you might just want to pick up right there, or you just might want to bring one because they have CDMA and GSM. They also have a great blog. I wasn't able to watch this video yet. But the title is Get to the Choppa, which, come on, come on, that's, that's pretty great. That's pretty yep. great. The Ting, it's something from the Ting video team. Anyways, they got a bunch of great posts on their blog. Go to last.ting.com to support the show. Try out that little how much would you save button to get an idea if Ting works for you. And uh, visit the blog while you're there, too. Or find them on Twitter, TingFTW. Last.ting.com. Big thanks to Ting for sponsoring this here episode of the Linux Action Show, and thanks to all of your beautiful faces who support the show by going to Lass.ting. I think that might have been a callback because I made a reference to Philip DeFranco earlier. Uh, so we, now we thought we'd take a minute to talk about the show, which is my least favorite thing to do. Like, I never like doing a show about the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, you know, last week we, we told you guys we're thinking about wrapping up the show, we're reformulating the show. We've been playing with the format for weeks. And it was interesting. Uh, I guess we'll save how the feedback went for the feedback segment. But uh, I want to talk about what's happening next because we've made some decisions. And there's actually a whole bunch of really cool stuff coming up for the Linux Action Show in just the next few weeks. So as we record this episode, my time math is often wrong. So this may be changing. But I think there are five Sundays in, uh, in April. <laughs> so we have six episodes of the Linux Action Show remaining after this episode. I will be gone next week, not related to any of this, just driving to Texas, um, because we are going, we are taking the show to Dell. We will be live at Dell. We are going to go down there and just try to figure out what what is Dell doing with Linux? Like, we know about the XPS 13. We know about the servers. But what, how committed is Dell? What are, they, what are they working on? What are the people behind it? I try to guess, get our heads around what what the story is with Dell and Linux and, and, and how serious they are. You know, that was something I talked about during our predictions episode, and I, this is the continuation of that. I had a conversation with uh, Barton from Dell, who is part of the Sputnik project on Linux Unplugged weeks ago, weeks mm-hmm. ago. And after our conversation, like, I, I replayed it like over and over in my head. 
And I, 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 I walked away from that conversation going, holy shit. If this was five years ago, mm-hmm. we would be all collectively crapping our pants about this. This right. would be what they're doing and what they have coming down the pipe mm-hmm. would be – it would be tech industry news that a player like Dell was doing this with Linux. Mm-hmm. That would be five years ago. Three years ago, it would still be the biggest news in our Linux tech circle. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think we've become jaded and I think the noise level is so high that – yes. We've missed what's been happening behind the scenes at Dell. You know, that's part of it. And I think another major component is that Linux has worked, become so compatible with so many different computers that we don't really appreciate the fact that there are companies that are making efforts to make sure Mm -hmm. that you have a smooth experience with Linux. Yeah, they've got like, they've got like a Debian based distro they're working on for switch operating systems. They've got like this entire open source storage management orchestration that allows you to manage a bunch of different storage backends and they're open sourcing the entire thing. Like there is mm-hmm. some really nice desktops coming out from Dell. They're going to be running Linux. There is, there is a big revolution happening there. And uh, I think we've just lost perspective as a community of how important the story is. I might be wrong. Dell is not paying us to go down there. I am – all of the money to go down there is coming out of my pockets, coming out of Noah's pockets. I'll be, I'm paying for all of the gas. We're, we're going to be paying to ship our equipment. It's – this is not this is not going to be an advertisement. This is no and I going down there to tell you a story in a way that only the Linux Action Show can do. There's right. no other podcast that can do this and there's no other media that an, that understands the subject matter like we do. Mm-hmm. Just to pat ourselves on the back, but we have the video capabilities, we have the audience, we have the understanding, mm-hmm. we have the history context, we have the contacts. We have, there are people that are longtime Linux Action Show fans inside Dell that have right. come out as part of this process to help make all of this work for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and making things happen behind the scenes because it turns out Dell's a huge company, huge company, <laughs> many big companies. They actually. have their own street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we will be going to one Dell way. Um, <laughs> so uh, it is – I'm really excited because while we only have six episodes left, in that time, we will be doing something that only this show could do. I, I really believe that. And uh, so we'll be live from Dell in a couple of weeks. Then we're going to have a bunch of like interviews and footage. So there will be one episode while I'm traveling that I won't be here. And maybe on the way back to I'm not sure how that will all work. Uh, we're going to try to help you know connect the dots between the teams behind these projects. We're also going to do meetups in Texas while we're down there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to vlog the whole damn thing from the trip down as much as I can while we're there behind the scenes all in my personal vlog. And then the most important thing is going to be happening in Texas. Barbecue? And that is that we are finally going to settle the debate. No, you know if I go down there and eat it, it's going to be the best barbecue I've ever had. I mean, that's right. you and, know and going then, in, and then and then you're going to come back and you're going to be like, "What's this grilled food no, that dude. we washing?" I disagree. I disagree. It's no, all about what can you reproduce on a sustainable basis at home. Now, nope. I am nope. looking forward to how delicious it is. Um, and also, hey, I don't think I've told you this either, bro ham. Hey, bro. Jupiter Love bro- finding stuff out on the show. <laughs> yeah. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash Rover is going to be active again. I'm going to have the Rover tracker, oh, yeah. the live you, maps. You, you mentioned this in love. Oh, did I? I don't think I did because I just decided to activate the service the other day. Maybe I did. Maybe I was thinking about it then. Uh, yeah. And I've also, I've also imported all of the latest vlogs that are kind of leading up to this Texas trip if you want more information. So uh, JupiterBroadcasting.com slash Rover, the live tracker will go live once, once we hit the road down to Texas. And that's also going to be nice for meetups too because you can kind of – Figure out where at least Lady Jupes is at. 
So that'll be coming up the next few weeks. Then we'll have our final Linux action show, if everything works out as planned, at um, at Linux Fest Northwest on May 7th. It'll be the final episode. So we'd love to have you come join us, celebrate the show, hang out with us at Linux Fest. If you can make the trip, it'd be a great event to go to. Um, and I know live shows from the feedback are not everybody's favorite, but there's really – it's always one of our favorite ways to do the show, to see people – where are you at? Where are you at? Hi. I'm, I'm right here. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Um, I'm just – these, you know, like especially, especially Linux Fest Northwest is always one of the best ways for us just to real, put real names and faces. So it's going to be a great show for us. We'll try to make it a great show for you. Maybe we'll get some old friends on to say goodbye. They're live at the fest and get some interviews to go out on a bang. So a final Linux action show, if everything goes as planned, May 7th, live at Linux Fest Northwest 2017. Anything else produced we should on add Linux. Yes. It'll be produced on Linux. Yes. Anything else we should add to that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. So now let's talk about what's new. So that's what's, that's what's happening with Linux Action Show. Um, but that doesn't mean you're getting less Linux content. It's going to be more. We're going to have two new shows and a revival of one new show that people have been asking, where the hell is it? So User Air is going to relaunch. And what we're able to do with the end of Linux Action Show is we'll be able to pull in the Linux content that we were intentionally holding out of user error, in fact, cut sometimes from mm-hmm. user error to not take away from last. There was a, there was, because it was Noah and I, there was a sort of like this conflict there. So that's user error, relaunch. And the other thing we should add to user error is it's, it, it's not going to be the, the same user error. We're going to be able to expand that show because it's still early for that certain- show, yeah. Yeah, there are certain yeah. things that we weren't able to do with last that we will be able to do yep. with user error. Yep. So the the amount of coverage that we'll be able to yep. bring to that show yep. is going to be huge. Also, also the way we record that show opens it up for a lot more guests with really high fidelity audio. Um, and so we'll be talking more about that. We'll be talking about the improvements to user error when it gets closer. We kind of want to focus more on on other stuff right now. But you know, user error it's it's been one of the most well received shows we've ever done. And uh, it's just going to get way better. Big way. Yeah, it's just going to get way better. So that is the relaunch. Now we have two new shows that are sort of rising in the ashes of the Linux Action Show. Uh, And the first one is really taking in a lot of the feedback that we've gotten since we announced all of this last week and trying to figure out, well, what do we want to do? What kind of content would we be not just proud of like we are with last, but actually really fucking excited to make, like creatively inspired to make? And what has everybody sort of indicated are their favorite bits and bobs of last? Everybody trashes the main segment pretty much. Almost universally got lots of trash for, for the people that were critical. Um, almost everybody trashed the picks that were critical. So those were sort of the least favorite aspects of the show. Everybody loved the news. Everybody loves the news. The news is the favorite part of the show almost universally from the people that are totally positive about the show, from the people that are totally critical about the show. So – Something I've been toying with for nearly two years. In fact, I even have like a test soundboard over here that I've played with for two years now as just like a back idea in the back of my head is going to become a reality because I think the audience wants it too. We're Mm going to launch the Linux News Show hosted by myself and Joe Resington, formerly of Linux Luddites, now of Linux After Dark, which is uh, a great show. Uh, he's also been on the Ubuntu podcast. Uh, he's, he's pretty well known in the Linux podcasting space. He's got a great take on the news. Uh, he's got a great voice. He's got a sharp mind. 
and he's contributing a ton of work to the show. So Joe and I will do a Linux news show every Sunday at noon in the same live time that we do last now. It's going to go out in some of the last feeds, and we're considering launching it on a dedicated YouTube channel as well. So just Linux news, you subscribe to that, you get a weekly Linux news show, Joe and I giving you the take on the stories that really matter. Really excited about this. We have a ton of really great ideas, but more. Well, I'm going to save the details closer to uh, probably Linux Fest just to let us focus on last because I think that's where our attention should go for now. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is going to be a great show. New voices getting in here. Focus on the stuff that people like the most about last and uh, live on that, tam- on that same live time. So if you'd like to come out and hang, hang out with us on the weekends, we're still going to be here doing Linux content. And I think it's probably going to be some of the best Linux content we've ever made. Now. That's later on down the road. That's going to be after last is over. So that way, you know, I focus on last for a bit. Happening sooner. And it's something that if you've been following us for a while, you know we've been working on. And it also lines up really well. So besides from the news stuff, a lot of people said, well, guys, if you want new users, if you want new audience, you got to do new Linux user content. You need to have more how-to. You need to have more guides. You need to have more X. And it's really all about content for either new users or how to do something with Linux, how to solve problems. And you've seen us experiment with different how-tos in this show for years. And they always kind of suck in some way. Maybe the audio isn't right or there is music when there shouldn't be or there is something that you're just totally not interested in or we chose Ubuntu and you run Arch or we chose Arch and you run Ubuntu. Like it's just never – there's always something. They've never landed right and the pacing's never right because – Maybe you're on the audio podcast. Maybe you're on the video. There's a very un, there's a very small chance it's even applicable to you, and it's just sort of never worked right in the last format. But there is a show format idea we've been kicking around that would be sort of driven by the audience, where it would be much more applicable to the audience because it's driven by them. It's something mm-hmm. that, again, I think really only Jupiter Broadcasting probably is in a position to pull off at this time. Um, and we've kind of been working on it behind the scenes for for months and months and months. And I, I know Noah's particularly excited about Ask Noah launching very soon. Uh, do you want to do you want to tease anything? I know we have a, we even have a video because that's how that's how fancy and excited you are. Yep, everything I have to say, and I had two minutes to get it all out, so <laughs> kind of it, it it has a pace to it. So, oh, all right, you know, brace yourself. I'm excited, dude. But everything I want to say is right in that video. Woo-hoo! Here we go. Take us away, Fast Noah. As far back as I can remember being even like six, seven years old, I, I would remember my dad always telling me, he would say, the big professionals, the guys who really know computers, they always use Linux. And I think it kind of set in at a very early age in concrete, this idea that the best operating system out there was Linux. Guys, I am jacked about some news. Since 2009, UltraSpeed has never lost a client, and that's because we're the best at what we do. Some people will tell you not to treat technology like a religion, don't be passionate, just use what works, but UltraSpeed has set itself apart from those companies for one reason. We don't settle for mediocrity. Your life is on your computer. Pictures of your kids, videos of your wedding, tax statements, you name it. In 2017, your life is digital. The question is, what's the best operating system for that? What software can you really trust? What companies can you depend on to provide support for free and open source platforms? 
Welcome to Ask Noah, the show that you've been asking for, the show that answers those questions. At AltaSpeed, we've provided people with creative, cost-saving solutions without sacrificing quality, and now we're giving that knowledge away to you for free in a brand new show. This is the show that's centered around you, the audience, because you are the content. We're going to be taking your calls live on the air. As the Linux Action Show winds down, Ask Noah is just getting started. This is a whole new way to experience Linux on the same network you already love with the same host you already know. Interviews with people we just couldn't get with a big video show. Don't worry, though. We'll be publishing small video segments outside the main show, so the reviews of Linux-friendly hardware, how-to videos, and live coverage of Linux events aren't going anywhere. We're on a mission to empower users to own their operating system, their software, and ultimately their technology. Getting them off the cloud? Well, that's just icing on the cake. If you're looking for a pragmatic, reasonable technology show that follows the industry standards, this may not be for you. But if you're ready to turn the technology world upside down on its head, if you're sick of worshipping at the mighty altar of Apple and Microsoft, then we want you to be a part of the Ask Noah show with a toll-free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's 1-855-450-6624. Give us a free call, and we'll talk about your tech questions or business and tech questions. Now, the show is launching Monday, April 3rd at 4 p.m. Pacific. That's 7 p.m. Eastern. But we need your help right now to spread the word. Follow us on Twitter, at Ask Noah Show. If you meet someone in the wild that wants to get started with Linux, make sure to give them the Linux hotline, 1-855-450-NOAH. The show will be simulcast on Logos Radio, KEQQ, 88.3 LPFM, as well as the Internet, thanks to Jupiter Broadcasting. We'll have a live video stream with an interactive chat room at jblive.tv. Now, I know what you're thinking. Noah, why would I listen to your show instead of competing Linux podcasts? And the answer is simple. We actually use Linux, like, for everything. We're not... Linux journalists with MacBooks, and we don't have Microsoft surfaces with Windows hidden in our computer bags next to our Linux booths. Man, you win the prize for best B-roll in the history of a Jupiter Broadcasting uh, video ever. <laughs> Man, talk about some action. Holy crap. Uh, I love that you had the phone number in there, too, already. And, yeah, I don't know if people caught it, but it's going to be simulcasted on, a, on an actual radio station, too. Yep. So you could actually have real radio callers. Some, some unique challenges because the timing has to be exactly right. We can't – like, you know, we have here, if, if, you know, for a couple minutes late, it's not a big deal. There I have exactly – you know, it goes online at a given minute and it goes offline a given minute. And I, ha- I have to meet that exact thing. So yeah. everything has to be lined up around that. And so – yeah, months Ooh. and months of testing and equipment purchases. And I, I want to give a huge uh, shout out to Chris DeLuca. Um, he's the guy that we interviewed back in West Virginia. Uh, uh, he was getting children involved with Linux at, his, at the school that he works at. And he actually made a very generous donation to fund some of the equipment that we need uh, to get us on the air. And if it hadn't been for him, I don't know that we could have we could have met this April 3rd launch date that we're aiming for. So a big yeah, thank man. you to him for doing that. Yeah, it's going to be a hustle. It'll also be the first show in the history of the network ever launched while I'm on the road. I'm away. So right. that'll be... Ha! Ha! Also, you know, and oh, hold on I, I real do, quick. No, to, hold on real quick. Yeah, Back end here. Uh, Joe, it, uh, what's... Uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. I fucked up the name. I screwed up real bad. It's not at Linux After Dark. That's a screensaver. Uh-huh. Late Night Linux. Joe's show, Joe Resington's Late Night Linux. Really good show. Uh, yeah. So anyways, yeah. What were you saying? Well, I just want to – I want to take a moment to address something. And, uh, you know, throughout, throughout the history of me becoming on the show and the Linux Action Show, 
we seem to fight this battle and it, and it comes and it goes and, and we get people that will come into the Reddit or they'll go on YouTube and they will complain about you or, or me or the dynamic <laughs> between us or, or really, really, and really, I guess to, to, to put it bluntly, they don't, they, they seem to think that I, I am somehow chained up in this room and, and you sit there with a whip and then, uh, you know, th- that, <clears throat> that's the dialogue that, that comes in. If 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 anything could change somebody's perspective, I wish I could take our dialogue over the past week, condense that down and put it out on the Internet, because I think really what it demonstrates is that you and I have shared goals and we might not always 100 percent agree about how to achieve those shared goals, but we're always in agreement that we somehow need to get there. And so there's an ebb and a flow. And in the past, there people have seen me time and time again yield to you for different things when we're you know when we're we're making decisions about the show or how things are going to go, and and that has given you a bad rap. And the, and the, the, what what's frustrating to me is as the tables have kind of turned and now I'm because there's a lot of things with Ask Noah that I put my foot down and I said I want things to go this way I don't want to do things that way, but it, because it's not happening on camera because it's not happening live nobody's seeing it. And I, I think you're getting an unfair – it's an unfair representation of our relationship. It's an unfair representation of the way that you treat me and the way that I treat you and the way that we work together. And so I just want to go out and say that you know, everything that you've seen you know, Chris do in the past, I, I'm doing, and Chris is being very accommodating and you know, to, to make this happen, to allow me to launch a show on his network without him being there on a date that – probably is pushing the limits, if not slightly exceeding the limits of what you're actually comfortable with, with content that you've never really even at, we've never even really had a discussion of exactly what's going into the show. You're just kind of saying, you know, don't screw up the network. So a big thank you for your support. A big thank you for helping with that. And a huge apology that the rest of the world doesn't <laughs> really see you the way that you oh, truly are. brown bear. Yeah. You know, uh, the beard and I were talking about it a little bit and he's like, well, you know what it is, is that People, people that are watching the show see you two as hosts. You know, they, they're thinking about the friendship dynamic, and they don't consider that. Uh, also, I'm I'm the producer and the director, so I have a clock right. in my head that says, "All right, we spent right. enough time debating this. We need to move on." It's not right. because I don't want to argue anymore. It's because for production purposes, we need to move on, and I don't feel like going back and editing this thing to make it shorter. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so that's yeah. That that I think did come across in the feedback quite a bit. Uh, so I, I really, I really want to just kind of walk away with a couple of things from from what we've announced here. Is uh, this really does mean more, and I think better Linux content every single week. And uh, our goal here is absolutely to create good, great content with maybe better focus, maybe better reflects the kind of stuff that we're really passionate about making right now. And I know that we're going to lose some of you um, because some of you want less. That's the product you want, and you don't want anything else. Uh, thank you. That's super, like, flattering, by the way. And please just remember, when you go to Flame Us, uh, how hard we've worked every Sunday for a decade now on this show. And put that in perspective when when you say goodbye. Um, and we also are fully aware that we will possibly and very likely lose patrons over this. Uh, a sponsor could pull out, too. This is a huge change for a sponsor. You know, they're sponsoring this show. Uh, we think we're going to make better shows. They will get better and bigger audiences. So we think for them it will be a net win and we think our patrons want us to do the best job we can and produce the best content we can. So we think, we think for our patrons in the end it will be a net win. But if you grok the risks that we're taking and why we're doing it and you support it, we could use your support more than ever at patreon.com slash jupitersignal. I'm not saying this to make a buck. I'm telling you this because if I – a few one or two sponsors pull out, everything goes away. 
And it's not like I have like, you know, it's not like we're making enough money to keep the lights on on Patreon. So while it will be, it might get us through a couple of months, any more, any higher that number gets, the, the longer we can bridge the gap until I get a new sponsor on. And I think it'll be possible because I think in the history of this network, we've on our shows that have sponsorships, they're sold out. All the inventory sold. And it's because we we have a great audience that, that recognizes that that's an important part of this. And it's because we've we've always tried to sell them a good product. I think these new shows we're making are going to be really, really good shows. You know, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I when we were when we were taking in everybody's feedback, I came to a pretty stark realization myself. And this was sort of the final nail in the coffin. I almost feel like I shouldn't admit this, but I just want to give you guys a perspective of where our heads are at. Uh, I don't know if I've watched the show completely myself for three years. I've watched bits of it and pieces of it. And I told myself, oh, that's because I was in it. You know, I don't really want to watch myself. Uh, and so I'd watch portions of it for review purposes to make improvements, but I wouldn't just sit back and watch an episode. Um, and one of the things about user error that struck me as contrast to that is – not only did I record that episode of User Air and then spend six to eight hours editing that episode of User Air, and then I would listen through it to time code the whole damn show in the show notes, and I would still find myself listening in a just listener mode on my drive home. After probably hearing the show six times, six, seven times, I would still opt to listen to User Air on my way home. Or same with my vlog. Like, I don't normally watch my own stuff. I watch the vlog. Like, I watch it. I watch mm-hmm. it with the kids. Like, I, I, I am, I'm learning what kind of content that I like to watch myself better, mm-hmm. and I'm creating more of that. Um, and so when I looked at User and I said, well, shit, I, I listened to every episode of User like six or seven times, and I haven't watched an entire episode of last in like three years or so. It just to me was obvious which, which, show I sh- which show we should be focusing on. And I think the Linux News show will be like that too. I think it will be a show that I'm proud of and maybe I listen to myself mm-hmm. um, because I really, really like where Joe and I are going with it. He's got some really great ideas for it and uh, I think we're going to take the content that people like the best and we're going to talk more about that. And mm-hmm. uh, you'll get it. You know, I think he- hearing a new voice and perspective is going to be great for the network. And I think taking what you're super passionate about and making an ask no out of it, which is something – Yes, you know, so you just gave me that whole long compliment, but what people don't realize is how fucking passionate you are about Ask Noah and how hard you've been working and how every little detail has been sweat over and the gear that's been purchased and the arrangements with the radio network and jumping through their loopholes to make the FCC happy and working with us at the same time to make sure you meet the requirements of the network. And mm-hmm. all of it has been, you have been, uh, I just, I can't believe, it. I can't even believe you found the time to do it, to be honest. It's so. Uh, I mean, when you when you talk about passion, it's obviously there, and you put that behind a show like that, and I I think it's just going to be a win, especially because the core thing you're trying to do at the end of the day, which is just mind blowing to, to for an audience, is your real passion, your real goal is to get more people to use Linux. Like that's 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 amazing. That's mm-hmm. so I think that's going to be a really great show too, and I think because we now have a window of time for this show, Noah said something in the pre-show that felt. It's kind of true. Like now we kind of feel like in kindergarten or, or grade school. Right. You know, like when you it was the last week of school and you knew summer was coming. That's kind of how it feels now. So that's kind of it's kind of fun to do the show. It's going to be a little harder to push ourselves, I suppose. But at the same time, we have such huge things coming up like the trip to Dell and Linux Fest Northwest that I really feel like we're probably going to go out on a bang, too. 
So I think it's going to be a good last run of the show. And then we will transition into some really good stuff. I think you'll be surprised how well user air will work with some of the stuff that we've left out. And I think you're going to be surprised at the quality of the new shows we start. So without all that you know, said, just consider all that like, when you give us your feedback. <laughs> even, even like the, uh, the the simple ability of places that, you know, is not practical to ship, you know, uh, you know $5,000 worth of video equipment, but we can take an audio recorder, sit down and do a very nice, you know, edited, high quality interview with, with various people, places that we just couldn't go or things that would not be interesting to film for video. How many times yeah. in two years have yeah. we said, well, oh, that would be a great segment but it would suck for video, so we're not, we're not going to do it. Well, and like, like what we end up with are these segments, like when we go to Linux Fest or Scale, and we end up with these interviews that nobody likes, and it's because we can't really do an audio interview, we can't really do a video right. interview, right? And and we don't, so we don't really. If it's video, then what that means is, I guess I should make this more clear. If it's video, we can't heavily edit for time and content. So if yes. somebody wants to make it all salesy, it comes across a little salesy, and we're not editing that out. And if we're doing audio only, then we have the entire video side of the audience blowing up at us. And it's been this conflict that you guys know we've been trying to re- resolve for years. And in right. these shows, we're just going to resolve that conflict. It's just we're just going to it's going to it'll be more appropriately focused. And that for us means that it might mean we go to a, an event like Scale or Linux Fest down the road. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be like our coverage has been in the past for those kinds of things. It'll probably be more concise, more condensed, more focused, better, right. less like sitting there in the booth and just hearing a long sales pitch kind of stuff. Uh, right. That's all. That's all going to get better. And that's I think for us creatively, these are the new lenses in which we'll look at how we do things, and it'll help us sort all that stuff out. Is there anything else we should add? Is that we have all of this also kind of summarized in the show notes as best we can. If uh, you miss something or you want you want to reread it. Uh, so yeah, that is uh, that is the sort of the rundown. Why don't we let's let's shake it off. Let's go do some picks, and then we'll get into the feedback. Or do you think? All right. You think? Yeah, yeah. You want to do that? Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Now that's one of our last pick segments. We picked a couple that we think you'll really like, and some that I'll probably be using myself in the near future. And I want to thank Linux Academy for making this segment possible. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. I don't know where that URL came from. Probably some other podcast. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to find a platform built around teaching you everything about Linux. Video courses with self-paced, in-depth videos, hands-on, scenario-based labs, instructor mentoring by real human beings. That's kind of a big deal for this topic, as no one knows. A course scheduler to fit a time frame. That's really nice. Lab servers that spin up on demand, and you can SSH into those bad man pajamas. Courseware if you just want to go down the certification course or learning paths when you want to get into a whole new field. In fact, they're launching new stuff all the time. If you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, you can sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show. I, I follow them on Twitter, at linuxacademy.com, and uh, they just released a new AWS certified advanced networking course. If I was in the biz and I had to get into AWS, there's nowhere else I would go. I really appreciate that they've integrated this in with their other Linux coverage. So you can learn the basics of Linux and command line management all the way up to the huge technology stacks, like containers that all this stuff runs in or OpenStack or AWS, even Azure. And they have nuggets, which are like little deep dives. It'll go into like a particular subject like firewalling or SSH. Just like some of them are like five minutes long. Some of them are like an hour long. It's really cool, especially when you just got a little bit of time. You can still get some value out of your subscription. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring this episode here of the Linux Action Show. All right, so we have a display here that runs Linux. This is one, of, this one I picked just for you. This Walmart display that has crashed runs Linux. Look at that, dude. Look at that big Walmart awesome. screen totally crashed right there. And I decided to do a little uh, digging. And <laughs> first of all, 
first of all, you know what jumps out at me about this screen right here? If we do a little zoom and enhance here, you'll notice. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's not a zoom. What the? What kind of zoom is that, dude? Did you see that zoom and enhance? You gotta, yeah, you got to open the picture first, I believe. Yeah, I'm doing it right now, man. All right, so there if you go. go in there, look at this. Look at this. Do you see what I see right there? Right. Lilo. I call it Lilo. Lilo. It's not Linux. Lilo. 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 Yeah. Lilo. So they're using Lilo, which you know <laughs> uh, some people still use. That's still a thing, I guess. Uh, most people not. But then, the other thing that jumped out at me, init version 2.78. Now, init sysinit version 2.78 came out, assuming they're running a Red Hat version. I don't know. Who mm-hmm. knows, right? But even this is mm-hmm. going to be the same for all the different distros. But the Red Hat version of sysinit 2.8 or 2.78 came out on Wednesday, April 4th, 2001. 2001. Freaking Walmart's got a display potentially that has a Linux on there from 2001. And you know what I would bet you, man? I would bet you that it's just finally the hardware gave out. That's why it's crashed. Yeah, right, right, it's probably right, not yeah. – at this point, it's probably not the Linux OS. It's not yeah. like it's getting updates. It's not like a new yeah. version just broke it. <laughs> exactly. It's not the hardware exactly. And they're like, like the ultimate LTS. And could you imagine the staff, dude? They walk in, they're like, what is – that's supposed to be lower no, prices. Tell, look, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what happened because this, this actually happened to me a couple months ago. We had a, we had a free NAS box that um, – it didn't crash. There was nothing even wrong with it. The power just cycled in so that it woke the display up and so people could actually see for the first oh, time. Oh, and it had all that DOS on stuff on the screen. That's what they say, <laughs> yeah, man. That's yeah, what they say. They go, the thing rebooted into DOS. I'll bet you every employee in the Walmart is walking to their manager going, hey, there's DOS on the screen. Yes, Do- dude. DOS showed up on yes, that that's screen. They, they get on yeah. DOS. Hey, that thing's got a DOS screen. Then they complained. They said, all of our stuff here, it's so old. I don't know why we can't get the new Windows 10. We still stuck on DOS with our display. That's a DOS. Like, that, oh, my that's gosh. What, that's how they talk to when they when they Yeah, of course. It. Right, naturally. Yeah. yeah, because they don't know about other things. Uh, so that's uh, that's our that's our run to Linux this week. That's a good one, right? Every now and then I we got to do it. a failure. We got to do a crash from time to time. But yeah. I actually would say it's, it's probably hardware. Now, this next one is, it's. I think you and I have mentioned this desktop app in passing. I think it's something you and I should both consider. Life-changing, Noah. Life-changing. Are you fed up of remembering all life-important credentials yes! and passwords? That's me! Thinking of new passwords every time oh, for new logins. It's the worst. Forgetting ATM pins or ID numbers That's at me. hour of need. Yeah. Or are you compromising with your security yes. by using the same password for every login or writing them in insecure text files? Use NPass to get rid of all these hassles. NPass are You just need to remember your master password, <gasps> and NPass will remember all of them. All right. All these will be secured by military-grade AES 256-bit encryption military by your master grade. password using SQL Cypher Engine. Your data is secured offline on your device, and you can use it anywhere. You can easily add information in your secure vault through vast range of templates using strong oh. passwords. You don't need to remember them, as next time, when you open any web page in your secure NPass browser, That's right. your login details will be filled in automatically. Unlike others, you don't need to create online accounts with us, as instead of our servers, your data is secured on your device. NPass is available for all major desktop N-Pass. and smartphone platforms. Optionally, you can sync across all these devices That's using right. your own trusted cloud accounts what? very securely. So next time when you leave home, you don't need to look behind as every information is in your pocket with NPass. It's really a worth to try the trial version for it's really all a major smartphones. And the full-featured desktop version is free for Mac, Linux, and Windows PC. 
For more information, visit us at www.npass.io. All right, so that's NPASS. Uh, seems like it was written by somebody who doesn't speak English and then read by somebody who does. It's kind of awkward. But I like it because there's no subscription. There, You don't have to. You just put it like on your NextCloud instance for syncing because they don't really care how you sync it. It supports fingerprint if your device is fancy like that. And um, it's kind of a LastPass killer in some sense. Definitely better than the Firefox password manager, Noah. Definitely better than the Firefox. <laughs> the Firefox password manager and Firefox sync, despite what you what you incorrectly said on the show and then everyone has now attributed to me, Firefox sync works just fine. It works. It's just the only problem is um, my bookmarks, I get too many of them. And then, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, your fire, so Firefox sync doesn't work for you. Oh, my gosh, dude. Firefox <laughs> sync works just fine. It's just that I put too many bookmarks. And the same thing would happen if I did it in Chrome or any other syncing manager thingy. I don't know if I agree with you. I would like you to test that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Firefox sync doesn't work that well. Um, but this could work really well. So I think it's using maybe Electron, if I recall, when I looked at it. So that's how it's multi-platform on the desktop. And then they got the mobile apps, too. Which I kind of – you know what? I, that's probably a good way to use it. It's probably a good way to use it. There is – I think – is there a way to give them money? Because that's always like how the hell – yeah, here you go. So this is how they're making money. So no sign-up required. Just download. If you want the desktop version, it's free. Now, where I think they make a little money is on the mobile because you get uh, you get up to – A secure browser. Well, you get autofill possibly. You get optional uh, uh, cloud sync, and you only can use you can only store twenty items for free. And if you want more than twenty, you got to pay nine ninety nine on mobile. So that's how they're making their money. But at the end of the day, they got to make money somehow, or else they're going to go away. So I, I don't really know if I have a big problem with that. And if you look at the list of platforms they support, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So that looks nice. Portable versions for Windows. Mobile versions that sync with what's on your desktop. You host it via your own sync service, so you don't have to worry about a LastPass compromise. Overall, NPass, I think, looks pretty good. I think it looks pretty good, and it's got a lot of attention behind the scenes here at JB. Producer Michael uh, threw this in my face because he's been looking at it too. NPass.io is where you find it. I don't know. No, you might consider giving it a go. You might consider it. I would. I, I would I, the, the thing I, that eventually turned me off about LastPass was – you know, one they got bought out by a company, and as predicted, a bunch of bad things happened. Like, and the 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 first of which was, I went back to sign into my LastPass account, and I get this message, and the message said, and I kid you not, two-factor authentication, which you have enabled on your account, now requires a subscription fee. So you can't log into your account because you have it secured with two-factor, and you can't use your two-factor because you haven't paid us our ransom. So basically, we're not going to give you any of your passwords back. And I went, go screw yourself. And then I reset my passwords, and then I went to Firefox Password Manager, and I've not been back. Yeah, I, I keep jumping around. I think NPASS might be where I land. I'm going to give it a mm-hmm. go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. Past picks at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash last picks, which I imagine will be sticking around at least for a while along with the archive of the Linux Action Show. If you want to submit a pick, you can get into us at linuxactionshow.reddit.com or email us jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. Also, uh, I should say thanks to Twiggy nine 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 for submitting that uh, runs Linux. That was that was brought in by him. And thanks to producer Michael for submitting NPass, the no charges, no hidden subscriptions, just download and use password manager, which which works with your browser and works on mobile. I wonder, I wonder if it's as good as LastPass on Android because that is a sweet setup. You can't beat LastPass on Android. It'll autofill um, application logins, which is oh nice because. Big passwords are a real pain in the butt on mobile. So if anybody's tried NPASS on mobile, 
tweet me at Chris LAS. How does autofill work on iOS and Android? I would love to know because I often use both. All right, that's all the picks for this. It's time for the feedback, and this week we used our Linux supercomputers to compute through all of the feedback, average it out, summarize it, and deliver essentially a condensed version of what we have observed. And we think it's probably going to be fascinating to some of you, especially you long-timers. I want to thank System76 for making the segment possible. So once again, choosing this week to sponsor the Linux Action Show. System76.com, go over there and find powerful computers to help you do more around Linux. Nice machines, born to run Linux. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Carl, the guy that owns System76, CEO over there, he has this philosophy of always make the computers more powerful. Whenever you can make the computer do more, do it. That's, and that's where I, I really think that shines in, like, the Bonobo and Oryx line, which, as you guys know, are machines that particularly appeal to me. And I think that's totally awesome. The Galago Pro is another great representation of that. Launching really soon, you can sign up. Shiny, ultra-portable Galago Pro with a 13-inch high-DPI display, aluminum backlit keyboard, Ethernet still, a display port, HDMI, an SD card reader, nice big trackpad, everything you'd probably want from a, a rig like that. You can find out more at system76.com. And a big thank you to System76 for sponsoring this show. And tell them Noah switched you to Linux in the little checkout area, just so that way they know we sent you just a little bit. Man, and that works pro now with KB Lake. If you wanted a, just a, a killer. Are you still calling it Cabby? you still calling it Cabby? Yeah, yeah, I still pronounce like it correctly. Like a New York Cabby? Yeah. You pronounce it correctly. I actually went and looked and found a presentation by an Intel guy to get the pronunciation right. And what do yeah. you got for And you? then you still say it wrong? Jeez, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last week uh, we called out for engagement. Hey, we want more engagement. And I think that we got it. <laughs> the engagement was too damn high. I mean, it was it was actually I'll tell you how it breaks down. Uh, uh, but first, before we go there, I just wanted to say some of you took it as like shaming people who aren't active on social media and like, well, I don't use Twitter. Uh, I don't use Facebook. I don't use Google Plus or Reddit. And that is not what we we were in our minds. The audience that we were talking about are people that we actively see sharing stuff and content on social networks already. Right, which we said last week. Okay, well, I tr- okay. Well, I just wanted. I just no. I'm, I'm just saying a lot no, of people. No, 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 that's that not way. a hit on you. I'm just yeah. saying that clearly the people that said that like they didn't even listen to the people that were complaining that that's what we were saying. They didn't even listen to what the words that came out of my mouth. Oh, I know what I said because I was there when I said it. So oh. the thing is, is uh, woo, here's the thing. No, here is the thing. All one word, lowercase. Apply it to your account. We, we, we learned some lessons with this. Uh, number one is if I just want really good constructive feedback about how to fix the show, uh, the best thing to do would have been to like tell a small dozen people. Mm-hmm. Because some of the really best feedback I got came from fellow podcasters who were willing to share their opinion with me in a way that was very honest mm-hmm. and uh, give me insight into some of the discussions in their community. And that was really helpful. Uh, and what I learned, which is probably not too surprising in retrospect, is when you take it public. So we, because we, we, here's something that's funny too is we recorded that show on a Thursday. So there was some mm-hmm. live stream that generated right. very little buzz. Mm-hmm. We published the show early Saturday. So Saturday evening, I started to get a pretty good trickle of feedback. And I was taking it all in. Sunday, it really kind of turned into a, the beginning of a pretty big hoopla. Sunday, it really started to pick up speed. I definitely noticed, like, I had planned myself, like, a low-key Sunday because we didn't do last that day. So I'm like, this is going to be a day off for Chris. It's like, no last Sunday. That rarely happens. And, of course, mm-hmm. I ended up spending the entire Sunday working on this. 
Um, but that's fine. That's just how it goes. Monday and Tuesday, it really developed into a mob. Uh, it started. It started just pretty much getting just a way too much. Just, just way, 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 way too much. It was, but through the entire thing, uh, we definitely were definitely communicating. No and I were communicating the entire. A lot of us were all communicating, uh, and we were keeping notes and trying to read every tweet, every email, every Reddit thread, every Patreon post, mm-hmm. um, YouTube comment, every tweet that came to the various accounts that we could try to keep track of. Um, taking notes the entire time and and really pulling it all in. And I got a couple of big takeaways too just about the community in general, which I thought was interesting and sort of if I would have thought about it would be sort of kind of obvious in retrospect. One of the things I definitely noticed taking notes on all of this is each feedback medium really in some ways reflects the show, the era of the show and when that medium was created. So the biggest example I have of this because it's one of the largest public groups is the subreddit. The subreddit really reflects the era of the show when that subreddit was created. And that's really the set of expectations that that audience has. Whereas now the opposite end of that spectrum might be something like Telegram. Telegram being a communication medium that's come up during like the last year or two, while Noah's been a host, for example, (laughs) Telegram tends to lean much more positive about the new format of the show, about the current hosts, about just about everything in general with some helpful criticisms Email is a lot of love, uh, definitely some strong ideas for change, but the majority of email is love. Twitter is a mixed bag, but I would say majority has been really positive. Not even positive, but really positive. YouTube, kind of a similar mechanism. It's similar to the subreddit. Also, we started our YouTube channel around that time, so it's, you know, our last went video. Uh, It kind of reflects the time when last went video. Patreon has been very positive and encouraging in the most part with some ideas and it's just interesting. I guess that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it does skew the perception publicly of what the feedback is. Would you agree to right. that? Would you think that's well, a fair yeah. well, it skews the It skews the perception. And the other thing is the noise floor just goes. And so to, to, to get through that noise floor and find the valuable pieces is much, much more difficult. And I know that both you and I, is it a fair characterization to say that you and I read every yeah. single comment from every single yeah. thread related to unless last? I somehow missed it? Yeah, because I mean, I spent probably three days mm-hmm. going through and we didn't respond because we didn't want to influence the discussion, which a, a lot. And there was a couple yeah. times where people were like they had questions about equipment and I'm like, yeah, yeah and there was one time I responded, tried to let people know I wasn't responding. But because of the noise level, that was lost. And then pretty soon we were right. accused of not responding. All co- we've mm-hmm. been we were accused of only responding to the elites. I don't even know what that I don't even know what that means. It's mind blowing. Uh, <laughs> so it's the, the noise, the noise floor sort of has it sort of created a cycle because then we were the bad guys who were not responding to any of the feedback, even though we had been very clear that we were reading it, just not right. responding at the moment. But it gets right. lost. So it, it quickly sort of spiraled out of very useful. And it, it yeah, it, it was it was many hours of reading that feedback. Uh, how would you would you do you agree with my characterizations of the other platforms, though, like Telegram and email and Twitter? I, I do. I, I guess one thing that I took away and it's one thing that I'm going to use as a driving force for Asnoa is the one thing that came through crystal clear shot through the noise floor was that what you guys really, really want more than anything else. If we're going to do a show like Ask Noah and we want it to succeed, the number one thing that you guys have demanded of of me as a host and the entire team around this show is you want two-way engagement. And so my question to you is, how do you want that two-way engagement? I'm on Telegram. 
We can set up a Reddit. I've heard some people that talked about they don't want to have to sign up for an account. They don't want to have a service. And so could we do something um, like Discourse that, you know, where you could talk? I look, there is a way to set up Discourse without having to register. I've also been working with uh, producer Michael, and he has a way that we can, that you could, that you could, we could embed uh, comments and stuff that we could have, have a link back to the video and there can be comments and stuff like that. So my question to you is, and there is a contact form already set up for Ask Noah. So you can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click on contact, and, and let me know under Ask Noah. I want to know how do you guys want – how do you want to have that yeah. two-way – I'm going to represent – I'm more than willing to do it. I just don't know what you would prefer. I'm going to represent uh, a minority – not a minority. Actually, I'm going to represent the majority that I feel like they they feel like they're minority. Um, and I'm referring to those of you who don't engage on social media, those of you who don't leave comments, those of you who don't email but still watch the show every week. Because a lot of you came out of the woodwork to represent that that huge, huge mm-hmm. bulk. And, you know, I got a couple of emails. I, you know, I actually think it was almost like seven emails um, that all had a basic structure to them. Hey, man, love the show. Still watching. It's just I've been watching for like eight years, ten years, and I, I got a job. Um, I bought a house. I got married. And we have a kid now. So I'm, I'm listening while I drive to work, but I'm, there's no way I'm jumping on my computer and responding to stuff. And I have better things mm-hmm. to do than read Reddit. So I love you guys, but I'm not, I, that's just not a way I consume the show. More than happy to have you along for the ride. I want to make that clear. When we talk about engagement or we talk about two-way dialogues and all that stuff, totally understand there's a huge group of you out there. You were represented in this feedback as well. Uh, we are we are specifically referring to people that promote other Linux podcasts, other Linux productions, but not us, even though we know that they're in our community and they're consuming our show. I just want to let those people know, That's though, that they, we know you're yeah. out there, the, the Dark Matter listener, and we appreciate you a lot, and we, we're thankful that you consume, and right. uh, we know that you don't need a show to be a social experience all the time. There's other, there's other shows for that, mm-hmm. um, and so – I, I, we're going to take – all of that's also been taken into consideration. So there was some of that. There was a good portion of that like, hey, I'm coming out of this woodwork. Saw a few people like I created a Reddit account for the first time. I'm emailing you for the first time in six years, stuff like that. That uh, well, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of that. Um, and so one of the things that uh, we took away from all of it was sort of what we've explained in the early segment was there is things people like. There's a lot of stuff people don't like. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who also really love the show that I think are going to be a little heartbroken that we're doing this. Um, they got lost in the mob. And the other thing – the other problem with the subreddit really was is that it's the most public display. So it, it – not only does it represent sort of a bygone era of the show, but it also is a misrepresentation of the skew of the feedback. Mm-hmm. And so – but the downside is is because it's public, a lot of people like to get in on the drama. So people are coming out of the woodwork – and they're going in the subreddit. I mean, I had people. I had somebody show up at the studio, literally, and they're like, "Have you seen the subreddit? It's so crazy." And they haven't even listened to the show in years. And I'm like, "I thought you weren't even listening anymore." You're like, "What do you?" No, no, I'm just reading the subreddit. I just can't believe what's going on. Uh, I've had other people tell me, you know, I, I, I was shocked. Uh, and so I guess what I'm trying to say is, it sort of created a scene that brought people in just to watch the drama, which is also really unfortunate because it doesn't properly represent how many of you were very complimentary about the work we do. Right, uh, but we not, did, not just complimentary, but constructively. Uh, yeah, know, also a lot of that. Criticism. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you, everybody, who did take time to give us feedback. We did try to read all of it. If we missed it, it was by uh, air, not by purpose, and, and highly unlikely. <laughs> yeah, not only that because it's not just you and I. It's been it's there's it's been several of us that are trying to process it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know what's nice too is even our own team has had a lot of good constructive criticism too. There's it's been a good open dialogue internally as well. 
um, about about it. And I think really what we're what we're what we're getting to is ten years is a good run, and it's time for something. It's time for us to shake things up and do something new, and and do something that we're really really excited about that we think is going to be even better. And it's sort of also in a way letting us put a nice ending cap on the show because after this, after all of this, like what would we do if we just kept doing the show? There would be it was it's really gotten to a point where there's there is a legacy of expectations there are actual production constraints on a style of show like this mm-hmm. it, it, it we're really in a rock and a hard place and what people want from us if we were to continue the show is stuff that's simply just beyond our budget and capability uh, and it's sad but like if we're going to go all in on video like we'd really really have to up our game even further and it would detract from another portion of our audience that would then feel like the audio show is suffering and it's this massive time, money, audience expectation conflict that the show has been in since it tried to become the computer action show. It's just been – it's almost it's almost part of the show's DNA. It really is part of the show's DNA now. And uh, I think it's I think I think it's just kind of you know the, the way the way that I'm trying to look at this because I mean anyone like I'm about as emotionally attached to Lass as anyone out there in the audience. I can 100% guarantee you that. The way that I'm looking at it is that the content that we've created inside of last is not going away. We're taking all of the best content we can. We're putting that into user error. We're taking the new segment, spinning that off into its new show and all of the, all of the main segments and the, and, and the quirky personality and the zealotness that's going into its new show <laughs> to, to bring, well, I mean, I, you know what? I'm done. I'm done pretending to be something. I'm not, I, if you, like I said, in the intro video, if you're looking for, if you're looking for a pragmatic show, don't, don't come to ask. No, you're not going to get that. Um, but if you want uh, just, pure unadulterated passion for Linux, then that's what we can provide. And so all of the same elements of LAS are going to be there. It's just not going to be in one show anymore. We're going to split that up. And so much like the spork syndrome, right? Does it make a good fork? Not really. Is it a good spoon? Not really. Yeah. But it's a spork. It's a food. We, we, we got a spork. We got a spork. We got right a spork. Now. And yeah. we're going to take that. And we're going to make the best fork we can make. And we're going to make the best spoon we can make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's looking at it. Yeah, a lot of people said you know they found the network via the show, which is really it's which is really nice to hear that. Uh, and hopefully the new shows will drive people, and hopefully the new shows will please the existing people too. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in the end it'll be more content for all. Your feedback is still very much appreciated. The, the, the funny thing about the way this works is it's going to be there's still going to be a multi week lag of people catching up because some people are like a week or two behind on the show. Um, and so we're still Noah and I for the next few weeks are still going to be inundated. It'll be at a lower velocity mm-hmm. so uh if you want to help the conversation in the subreddit and say hey they've covered this and maybe you could link to the show you know t- youtube also lets you do time code linking that might be a helpful that might be a way to be helpful if you are involved in those in those areas uh, because it's going to be people still catching up and still giving us feedback on questions we asked them a week ago or two weeks ago that's that'll be a bit of a problem for a bit uh, and we, all the stuff we announced today we will have more details about those things as they get closer we're going to transition right now. We have a huge task on our hands. I mean, obviously, Ask Noah is coming soon. So that's something we got to work on. And then this trip to Texas is a huge thing. It's like one of the biggest things the show's ever done. So we got to focus on that, too. And I'm really excited. I've been talking to the team at Dell for weeks now. They're really excited. Really, I think even just going down to Texas is going to be great. It's, so all of that is a way of saying we'll take the last few weeks to just make great shows for you. And then we'll launch something that we think you'll really enjoy. So keep your eyes out. Right? Is there anything else to add? Next week is the big announcement what Chris Lass is going to be changing his name to. So you can all 
send your feedback <laughs> to alan at jupiterbroadcasting.com what chris las should change his next name to there you go alan at jupiterbroadcasting.com that's exactly where it should go yeah i don't know if i will but we'll see maybe if i get a great name suggestion i will i'm also not totally sold on linux news show but i kind of like also telling you what you're going to get Just, this is what it is <laughs> And there's no X. There's here's what he does. We were talking about asking when I said, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick some music, and he goes, you can pick the music. It just has to be better than the music that I would pick. He does this. He does that thing where he says something that, like, in a very nice, pleasant way. But then when you think about it, you're like, that man just slapped me right across my face. I was I doing no, just, no. I'm just saying, use your face. best, use your best taste. That's all. Use your best taste. Use your very best taste. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So there's last few specifics. Um, I won't be here next week, but Noah should be with a, a special guest. Join us Sundays, jblive.tv. Only last few shows left, so might as well join in live if you can. We'd love to have a, a great uh, IRC um, uh, hangout while we're while we're doing our last few shows. And I think we'll take a few questions from the IRC once we once we wrap up here too. So stick around if you have got questions in the IRC. Uh, so that's you can find it in your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, and you can email us at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. I'm at Chris LAS on Twitter. And I am at Kernel Linux. Of course, the company is at Altaspeed. And now, for the first time, I get to say at Ask Noah Show is on Twitter. It's live, and we would really appreciate it if you follow us there. Again, Looking for that dialogue for a two-way street. Until then, we'll probably make announcements over Twitter, and I'm assuming JB Signal. Cool. Yeah, at Jupiter Signal to follow the network. Yeah, of course, when it's a regular show and stuff, too, when it's released, when it's live at Jupiter Signal. So it's at Ask Noah Show. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, Mm -hmm. dude. All right, so that wraps up this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you right back here next week. Yeah, dude. I, did I tell you I was looking at potentially switching myself to? Really? Yeah. My well, because here's girl. the thing. My biggest thing. I, there are two remaining problems. They're both silly, and the whole chat room is going to scold me for even bringing this up. Is one is you know, without they have the doc. That's problem one. The only remaining problem is I, every time I use Mate, I feel like as soon as I don't want to use something green, it screws everything up. If I change <laughs> the theme, all of the nice, all of the nice polished things go away. And if I use the nice polished things, it has to match. It has to fit in with like this green theme. You know what? Rika is right. Maybe we'll have robotic pancreases. And uh, does that have to? to it won't matter. It won't matter. We just get cancer. You just replace it with a robot part. Well, I think that'll be the prostate, though. Because that. Well, again, that too. I'm talking about that organ. too. Both. Oh, I, yeah. okay. I'm going gonna, gonna to get them both replaced while I'm in there. Do the tonsils while I'm at it too. <laughs> also, the spleen. Might as well get rid of that. I don't need that. <laughs> Your understanding of anatomy is hilarious. <laughs> Those are two opposites. I know, but um, if I'm going to be in the hospital, might as well just get the whole works done, you know, top to bottom. Top just, to bottom. Cut, just, just cut me wide open. Yeah, and just, 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 just work. I want the you, Chris, Chris, Chris. Appendix Chris. two. Let's get rid of that. Taking, let's get, get. Listen, you're taking the rolling release model just a tad yeah, too far. I'm a Borg. Chris is Borg. I don't need the appendix either. That's probably going to go while we're at it. And the teeth, <laughs> might as well get metal teeth too. Be like a Von villain, Bond villain. I feel like we're. At, I feel like it's like. I feel like I used to feel when I was in elementary school, and we were like the last week of school. Yeah, it's what it, it, that is like, what it feels like. Yeah, it does. Like, You're weird. It's right. And it's, and it's and it's like it's like you know you have to do these things, but you also know that it doesn't. That the consequences if you don't do them well is not. Yeah. Really bad. Jesus. What are you doing? That was loud, man. Oh man, I got whew. these what? headphones are loud, dude. These headphones are turned up loud. All right. What was so loud?
Here's the thing. I, I'm okay with constructive feedback. Like the people that were like, the last, here are the things they don't like the show and here are the things that I want you to change. That I don't have a problem with. The thing that I have a problem with is people that complain that right in their own complaint admit that there's nothing that can be done about the complaint, right? And like that's, that to me seems like it serves no other purpose but to be personally insulting and irritating. <laughs> and that, that I don't tolerate very well. Do, 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 do. Don't forget to do Linux Academy. We just did Linux Academy. We just did that, dude. Where, where were you? We just did that. No, no, I didn't remind you. You told me to remind now you. Now we're on so. a System 76. I understand that, but you told me to remind you of Linux Academy, and I hadn't done that yet, so I have to remind you. There was a guy that wrote in, and he's like, I hated the YubiKey segment. Everything about it sucked. Noah sucked. He doesn't know how, what he's doing, and it doesn't even work right. And I've tried numerous times, five hours, and I'm a computer expert, and I can't get the <laughs> YubiKey to work. And I'm like...